For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everybody, uh, we are back uh, talking more with uh, Russ. Uh, yesterday we uh, looked at self-righteousness and we looked at um, just our words and uh, kind of um, dealing, digging down to some of the brokenness of humanity as we uh, think about favoritism, partiality. And so uh, Russ, in light of the previous question, uh, would you give us some solutions or you know first steps in dealing with the hard issues of you know, only loving those who look like us, talk like us, act like us, uh, those who are in the you know, same socioeconomic level as, as we are. I mean, I know that's some of the stuff, again, that you brought up in, in the sermon, but maybe some, again, solutions and first steps. And I know you might have hit, touched on some of that in the first day as well. And, um, well, you know, welcome to bring some of that back up. Yeah, well, I have a lot to say about this, but I'll try to I'll try to contain it, make it concise and put a point on it. Um. When it, when it comes to how we move forward on this stuff, I think that as Americans, I think the first thing that we get fired up about is what do we do? And we start thinking about actions and we start thinking about, you know, things to put on the to-do list. But I think that this puts the cart before the horse. Before we start thinking about doing, I think we need to ask the question, who must I become? Because if you focus on who you must become, it will, it will carry the doing. If you, if you only focus on the doing rather than the becoming, then you will end up being a pretender and doing it when you really don't want to, uh, which isn't all bad, but it gets you into this posture of hypocrisy. Uh, or your actions, the doing will just fizzle out because you won't have the character to sustain the activity. So a good question for us to ask in the morning when we wake up and you know the to-do list comes rushing at you. It's like a, it's like a bulldog. It's just like, you know, as soon as you wake up, oh, I got to do this and I got to take the kids to school and, and, or I got to do this test today if you're a student or, or I, you know, I have this meeting I got to go to. We're, instead of thinking about what you have to do, Ask the question, who must I become today? In the eyes of God, according to the calling of God, because of the love and grace of God, because of the mercies of Christ, who must I become? I must become someone who's more gracious. I must become someone who's slower to speak and quicker to listen. I must become some, someone who serves John 13 style. Uh, I, I must become someone who's willing to go two miles when someone asks me to walk one mile with them. I must become a more generous person today. And for all of these things that we need to become, we need to look no further than the finished work of Jesus for the motivation and the strength to live up into it and to rely upon his spirit who has been given to us as a down payment of our inheritance. I was just reading this morning in Romans 8. 
that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, well, then you have an entirely different relationship to sin. It's no longer your boss. It no longer tells you what to do. Sin is no longer like the Godfather, right? I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, right? Like <laughs> you, that sin no longer makes you an offer you can't refuse. You can say no to the sin that wants to kill you, and you can resist the evil one such that he flees from you. So the first thing is to ask the question, who must I become? We have to, we have to ask different questions um, in terms of the, the becoming piece. The next thing... I would say is um, we need to we need to pray for uh, a, a new imagination. Um, it's hard to become something or to move towards something when you don't have any imagination around it. You have to dream about what the more beautiful way could look like. If God were to beautify your life right now in these important ways, if God were to to to, to make your life a, a more beautiful expression of his, the vastness and the depth and the height and the width of his love. Could you imagine what your life would look like? Like, can you imagine what your dinner table would look like? Hmm. Could you imagine what your friendships would look like or what your time in the neighborhood would look like? Like the, these, like, and once you start getting this new imagination, then I think it starts to fill out your understanding of discipleship, because for far too long we have we have reduced discipleship um, to merely acquiring information, uh, and we haven't included this cross cultural piece in our discipleship. But if discipleship is basically following Jesus, then as I said uh, before, that we have to look at the Jesus that we're claiming to follow. And what did his life involve? Again, it involved moving toward the people we're prone to move away from. Uh, it involved redeeming the people we're accustomed to resenting. Um, and it involved in, in bringing into the family, bringing into intimacy, the people that we would remain estranged from. And so this is, it's got to become it's got to become a part of our understanding of discipleship. This is not um, a condiment in terms of discipleship. It's the entree, right? So <laughs> it's not like, you know, cross-cultural, yeah, guys like Russ, they're interested in that kind of thing. You know, I, I like that they have that hobby. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. No, this is not a hobby in the Christian life. Uh, this is right down the middle, because this is the nature of the love that we see demonstrated in the gospel, and it's the nature of the love to which we're called. So wherever God places you, uh, you make it your ambition for your love to encompass the scope of the people in your place. And that's that's an important piece, right? Hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and, and once again, just broadening our definition of love. I mean, when, when um, you know, what we see in Scripture, I mean, all of the Scriptures were summed up in basically love God 
and love others. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's going to be much broader than our finite minds can comprehend. And mm. so as Christians, we must be growing in our understanding of what this word love actually means. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm reading Paul Miller's A Loving Life right mm, now. That's just, a good one. Gonna, I mean, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, I don't really know what love is. Mm. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking of the type of love that Ruth displayed. And obviously... Yes. Ruth pointing us to Christ and the type of Christ love that Christ has poured out. So that's very good, very helpful. And then going back to uh, you saying before we kind of, you know, start working through our to-do list and mm. getting the action items and going, just asking who must I become? Um, and what a helpful place to start. And really that kind of takes us back to the, the first day, as you said, mm. repentance, mm. Um, because as you're saying, who must I become? Who must I become? I mean, you're, you're digging down and you're seeing ways in which, um, you know, these hard issues are coming to the surface and things you must be taking to the foot of the cross and asking for forgiveness for and, mm. um, you know, repenting of. So yeah. a lot of helpful stuff. Again, Russ, mm. anything else you want to add as we close this out? Well, you brought up the loving life. And I think a, a helpful note to close on is um, once you start doing this work, you will quickly come to the end of your felt limitations. Like you'll, you'll, you'll be like, man, why did I even do this? Because sometimes <laughs> your love won't be received well. Sometimes you're making every effort to love someone and it seems like they're doing everything to resist you, everything to malign your intentions, your good, you know, your good intentions are not appreciated. And in that moment, what you're going to realize is that there's someone else who's familiar with that experience. <laughs> and that's Jesus. He knows what it's like to love people who resist his love. He knows what it's like to pursue people who don't want to have anything to do with them, who don't appreciate his motivations, who don't, um, who really don't jive with uh, his efforts. But what you see, and it's this wonderful phrase from A Loving Life, is, um, is in Jesus we see love without an exit strategy. And so that idea from that book is really sweet. And I think that when we start moving into these kinds of cross-cultural relationships, we need to have a mind to demonstrate a love that has no exit strategy. Hmm. Russ, very, very good once again. So tomorrow we'll be uh, closing out this conversation with Russ, but this has been very helpful. So thanks, Russ. Awesome. Glad to do it.